Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself, Tommy Dreamer, and Bully Ray dive into AEW Dynamite from last night, especially the sit-down with Jim Ross and Wardlow. Also, we have a big announcement for the Busted Open Nation when it comes to our WrestleMania weekend plans that we want our podcast audience to be a part of. Also, we have a great interview with former WWE writer and now a part of Young Rock, Brian Gewertz, who joins us now on the Busted Open Podcast. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary dairy. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. 
Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Brian, good words. Brian, thank you. It's been a while and appreciate the time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for plugging the book. I love the book. You were a small nerdy looking kid from long island who is involved with the most alcohol fuel testosterone ridden locker room you know of a baby of all time that is hitting on all cylinders monster men when how long did it take you to earn the respect of the locker room. And when did you ever have a moment when you're like, did you like you felt maybe you could exhale a little bit because you knew the boys trusted you? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the the juxtaposition of, you know, the nerdy kid from Long Island versus the testosterone fuel, that, that actually it, it could be used to your advantage in the sense that like. I'll never be this physically or and on television, but you know, it's something like I could channel all of that, like, boy, I wish I was this person into writing something or working with talent into writing something. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's like, boy, if I could go back in time and know Steve Austin and the rocks catchphrases and promos back in junior high before that ever came out and unleash it on everyone, like how cool would I be type of thing and be able to sort of like live that out. But I think, you know, for, it all depends on the people for some people, um, you know, like the, the, the people I got along with, you know, from the get go, um, you know, and, and not coincidentally, it was, you know, and as I write about it, it was the people who were similar in age, similar to the same. We watched the same, you know, like all of us, like Gen X cartoons growing up on Saturday mornings in the seventies and eighties and everything. Um, and for others, it was just through sheer like um, amount of time, I think, spent there and seeing results and seeing stuff that worked well and being like, huh, maybe that guy, um, I don't know, I wouldn't go so far as to say knows what he's doing, but maybe that guy isn't a total waste of space. Um, you know, like for some people like Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Steve Austin, legends who certainly never needed writers before. And certainly never, you know, I have to prove to them. They don't have anything to prove to me. Um, I think just through sheer, like, <laughs> you know, looking up, all of a sudden it's 2007 and Taker's giving me this look like, you're still here? Huh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Damn, let's go. Uh, it was one of my favorite moments. Just a very small time moment, but just, and I think I wrote about it, but it was just like at Mohegan Sun, I found myself at a blackjack table, just me and Taker. And a couple other people who were not wrestling fans, they were just, you know, three in the morning blackjack fans. So they're more zombified than The Undertaker is on camera. And just, you know, busting, hitting, eventually, you know, the house cleans up and we're like, all right, see you tomorrow. It's like nothing, no like crazy moment or anything like that, but just like me sitting next to Taker at the blackjack table at Mohegan Sun at three in the morning in 2007 or whenever it is, it's like, man, I'm home. That's awesome. You know, when writing the book, and I'm glad that we have another opportunity to talk about this book as well, Brian, but you know, a lot of people came out in support of your book and promoted your book, which I think was great. Was there anybody that said to you, like, 
I can't believe you used that story. Or maybe even somebody come up to you and say, I can't believe you didn't use this story in your book. No, I haven't really, as far as I know, I haven't um, had any like, what the hell did you say that for type things? I mean, I was kind of meticulous in, in, in not wanting to, uh, you know, rock the boat, so to speak. I don't have a lot of boat rocking stories anyway. Um, I gave, uh, I gave a copy of the book last time in Madison Square Garden before we uh, embarked for season three of Young Rock in Memphis uh, to Mr. Heyman, who I know we're all familiar with. I have not heard anything about it since from him, um, and I haven't seen him since. I didn't see him in Memphis and I didn't see him at, in Brooklyn. So I don't know if that's a case of he hasn't read it yet. Um, I understand he is pretty busy, uh, you know, running a, a bloodline and what have you, um, or if he was um, aghast and astounded by it. So that's the mystery one. I don't know. I'll have to see Paul sometime in uh, in Los Angeles for WrestleMania and uh, see what's up with that. Well, well, speaking of the bloodline and you at one time being the seventh most powerful man in WWE and the head writer, how are you enjoying the bloodline story? And is there anything that has stuck out to you since the inception of the bloodline story where you would have definitively done something different? Um. Well, first of all, I think the blood, I mean, look, this isn't a controversial statement. I think the bloodline story has been great. I think it's one, one of the greatest ones ever. I had a long uh, chat with our friend Ed Kosky the other day, head writer at WWE. Uh, <laughs> I was like, not to, I didn't want to like sound uh, like jealous or defensive or anything, but I was like, yeah, man, it must be great to not get a call on the weekend and be like, we're turning Randy out of evolution. <laughs> Law of the jungle, pal. Like, that must be a nice uh, change of pace. Law of the jungle, pal. Law of the jungle, the young lion and the old lion. I'm like, damn, these freaking lions. They're ruining our, our long-term storyline. Can't they just... Anyways, I think it's been great. Um, and I don't, you know, I'll say this. First of all, I think, and it's not really the secret ingredient, because I think everyone is acknowledged, so to speak, no pun intended, this. Um but I'm really, really, you know, the secret sauce, I think, has been the Usos. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't even realize, like, the Usos made their debut, I think it was a pay-per-view in Long Island, Nassau Coliseum, when Pat, you know, just suggested them. And I was like, ah, new shit better than old shit, you know, like that kind of thing. And they were thrown on uh, without really a plan or a game plan going in. They did a backstage promo once. Uh, our friend Dave Kapoor produced it. And for whatever reason, after they did their promo, the note we got from Vince was, I don't want these guys talking anymore. <laughs> and that was that was a tough thing to overcome. Didn't he say the same thing about Steve Austin? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was just one of those days, I guess. But for years, you know, they would come down, they'd do their entrance. Their entrance would be spectacular with the dance and everything. They'd have a great quote unquote, good, solid match. And they'd go to the back. And I remember like, you know, at the time, I think this was like in, in my post 2012 to 2015, giving feedback type thing going like, they're great. But like, once the bell rings, like, I don't, I'm not really invested in them as human beings and characters. It's not like the days we grew up 
with uh, WWE superstars and wrestling challenge where you can, you know, it, it wasn't all that important to know the difference between jumping Jim Brunzel and be Brian Blair. They're killer bees. That's all you need to know. Brunzel's got the drop kick. That's like the defining characteristic trait. And it's really difficult, you know, when you're Jimmy and Jay to be able to, you know, they, they have to show their personalities on Total Divas, but you can't assume anybody watches that who watches the main show. Um, and once, you know, and then obviously slowly but surely they started to get their personalities out. And, you know, the, the rap battle with New Day and, and, you know, there's a lot of different things you could you could cite. But once this bloodline story happened, it isn't the same without the dynamic of Jimmy and Jay and the, you know, the, the different, you know, the crossings of like one time there's an ally, he's an enemy. Now he's an ally. Now he's an enemy. The dynamic they have with Roman, everything that they're um, doing is like that is what I think makes this storyline so special because the stuff with Sammy and Roman has been awesome. And there's something very, very universal about acceptance and wanting to fit in with the cool group and wanting to, you know, finally ascend. And do you leave your old friends behind to join this new group and all that kind of thing. That's been awesome. And that's, what's carrying, you know, essentially the heart of it, but the, but the, the secret sauce, so to speak, has really been Jimmy and Jay. And I think it's great. Um, and if I were to do anything else, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say the one thing that, uh, the, the only thing that didn't strike me well with the bloodline storyline, and uh, maybe this is a, uh, this is a, a cry to, uh, to have Paul respond to the book is that I didn't think Paul needed to use cheap heat in Philadelphia during the trial of Sammy Zayn when he's doing the stuff about the Eagles and the, uh, Niners and all that stuff. I was just like, dude, we're so invested in this storyline. You don't need the boo. You don't need the cheap booze. And believe me, I'm the patron saint of cheap heat. I love cheap heat. I use it whenever possible, even outside of wrestling. But then it was just like, man, you don't need that. You've got this awesome storyline. That's what you use when you don't have anything else and need to get a, a pop of some kind. Uh, but I understand. I mean, you know, he just did the whole Brock Purdy thing. You're in Philadelphia. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's too tempting to pass up. But that's very, very nitpicky, obviously. Um, you know, overall, the storyline's been awesome. You know, oh. I, I think I, I actually think that's an excellent point, because before you came on today, we were talking about um, unnecessary use of blood in wrestling. And you just and I didn't even pick up on this when he when he did it. You're right. It's so unnecessary for Paul to have to go there because the story is so great and is so deep. So I think that's an excellent point. Good job. Yeah, very, very nice. But I know. sir disagree with Brock <laughs> and my thing. I think it worked. <laughs> I'm texting Heyman right now and saying we have Brian DeWertz on, and he vehemently disagreed with your use of cheap heat. You can get into another almost altercation. Hey, uh, if I could segue now to a show that I love, and not just because it's a wrestling show, it's a really good television show, um, Young Rock. And, and we, you know, we got the uh, season finale coming up next week. Yes. Season uh, finale next week and a uh, new episode this week. Me coming from wrestling is one thing, but if you ever talk to a wrestler, um, they will tell you the story like, hey, my car broke down. But let me tell you about this time when my car broke down. And then but how you guys wrap it all up 
it's a really good family show. Um, and I do, I put it up there. I'm a big fan of the Goldbergs. I put it up there with Goldbergs, Modern Family, all these really, really good television sitcoms with a really like I I laugh. Uh, I'm intrigued. I also like different parts of the rock that I didn't know. Um, what did you learn from like all this experience about from somebody that you've helped pretty much since day one? Well, I, I just got to jump in here really quick, Brian. And a big reason why Tommy loves season three of Young Rock is because Tommy's obsessed with coffee. So this whole storyline with the coffee has grabbed Tommy's attention. Jeez. But I mean, as much as he loves the show, I think it's more about the obsession with coffee. But go ahead, Tommy. Could have come to the island of Hardcore Cafe and I would have uh, hooked you in rock off. Much free coffee as you want. Continue. I know it made me want to have I'm not really a big coffee drinker, but that storyline did make me want to have fine Memphis coffee, as it were, uh, as we shot in Memphis and not Australia this time. Um, but yeah, it, it's been really cool and it's been a great experience. Um, you know, we learn, I learned stuff like I had never known, for instance, before we had the story, uh, storyline meeting with, with rock, but which we do every season before it starts about this breakup between, um, his mom and his grandmother, uh, and his mom and his dad starting their own promotion in Hawaii to run against Ada, uh, Ada and, and, and Rocky's promotion against Leah's promotion in Hawaii. All that was brand new to me. I had no idea. Um, and really, you know, like diving into that and then seeing like what they did to like counter each other, it didn't really last long, but it all came to a, to a head. Uh, and, and that's what this week's episode is about at the Peter Maivia tribute show. Uh, and then learning the depths of you know, this this fight that Dwayne, teenage Dwayne had with Lars Anderson, um, you know, I had heard about it, you know, Dwayne had talked about it, but we really got into it and the why of it uh, in this season. And this is this is the episode. This is the episode, you know, every episode, as you know, um, takes, you know, elements of stuff that really happened. Um, now, it's funny, of course, and I want to get off on a soapbox, you know, when we like sometimes combine years and combine things. And it's like, wait a minute, the rock concert, he was bald, he had tattoos, <laughs> flipping tables, like starting riots on the streets. I'm like, no, it's not that particular rock concert. Ugh, forget it. But this um, confrontation between Dwayne and Lars did happen. And, you know, we were very like I was on the phone with with rock a lot during the filming of this because we wanted to get it right. And we wanted to, you know, have the reasons why it happened and how long did it happen for? What was Lars' reaction? The funny thing is, and I'm sure like all, all of us experienced this, is that Lars himself doesn't even remember this confrontation. <laughs> we had Lars on the child stories. And but but I understand that because, you know, as I'm like, you know, for in terms of like the book and everything else, like I've heard, oh yeah, yeah, this guy, you've got heat with him. I'm like, what I do? Why? Like, I have no idea why. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one of those things. And this but this episode for wrestling fans, this one coming up on Friday, um, it probably has more wrestlers per capita than any episode we've had, because, you know, in the in Leah's promotion, uh, PPW in, in Hawaii, um, all the promoters would basically wave their whole you can't wrestle for this other territory uh, when it came to Leah. That's how popular Peter Maivia was that's how popular Leah was so we have Sting and Dusty on the show along with Ric Flair along with Andre the Giant Macho Man Iron Sheik 
uh, obviously Rocky Johnson, the Wild Samoans, and of course, you know, bringing back Becky Lynch as Cindy Lauper because, hey, she might not have been there at the actual tribute show, but when you have the opportunity to bring Becky in as Cindy, you can't pass that up. Yeah, and, and I think about this season, and I, I believe that season three has been the best season so far, and it's been more about the character development. And you mentioned Ada and Leah. Like, to me, that was really the centerpiece of this entire season is their relationship, their falling out, and then seeing them as simple, something as simple as a plot on a soap opera kind of bringing them back together. And uh, I, I thought it was fascinating. And it really kind of dug in deep because it was more than just a rock. You really introduced those other family members in a big way this season. Yeah, no, thank you. And, 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 you know, once you hit season three and you get to know the characters and get to know their dynamics and relationship, hey, long-term storylines, <laughs> they work. Yep. Um, you know, it, it really, now you're more invested in it and now you have stakes in it. And I think, you know, our, our the writing staff, you know, Nanashka Khan, Jeff Chang, uh, and all the writers are really, like, they have become, they weren't wrestling fans necessarily, some were, but most weren't at the start of season one. Now they all are wrestling fans and have so much respect for the business. And, and you know, when when Chavo Guerrero and this year Chavo and Marty Elias are down there, um, you know, showing all as they always did, you know, showing how to take bumps and, you know, perform a a, a drop kick, you know, for Joe Anderson or, or uh, you know, Rocky Johnson, who's an actor, never did a drop kick before. Um, you know, we we're concerned like, oh, do we right, let's just do a take or two. Um, because we don't want to overextend and, and have these actors taking bumps. Uh, and, you know, to a man, Joe, Uli, as 24-year-old Dwayne, they always want to do at least three or four extra ones. Because they're that into <laughs> it. It's like the respect for wrestling and the respect for the physicality of it and the psychological side of it and everything else. Um, it just has completely consumed the writers, the actors, the crew, everybody. It, it was really, really cool to see. Brian, other than the almighty dollar, is there anything uh, that interests you about the professional wrestling business where you could ever be lured back? <laughs> Look, I always, you know, like we, we, I have the best of all worlds now because I get to develop television shows that are wrestling adjacent um, that give you all the thrill of kind of still being in part of the business and still being a part of that world without the, you know, the, the roteness, I guess, of, all right, I got to take the train into Stanford. We got to come up with 16 segments for raw, you know, like that kind of thing. So it's really perfect because we have, you know, at seven bucks uh, productions, production company of, of Dwayne and Danny Garcia and the one I work for, um, we have multiple wrestling projects going. Um, some that have come out, some that haven't yet. So that's really, um, you know, that's really a thrill to be able to do both. And then also I get um, pretty cool flashbacks because this weekend's the uh, marks the return of the XFL. So I have to get the flashback to 2001, <laughs> but just the opposite in that respect. Now, as probably everybody knows by now, but as a reminder, uh, you can watch uh, Young Rock every Friday night on NBC. It's also available on Peacock. And, and Brian, this tells you the story of a 51-year-old man. I would complain on the air that I wouldn't have any space left on my DVR because I had all three seasons of Young Rock on my DVR. And then somebody said, you know, you idiot, all the episodes are on Peacock, so you don't, you can erase your DVR. So I've been <laughs> able to do that. Thank you to Peacock. But so what's the news about uh, season four, if any? 
I mean, we just have to wait and see like what's going to happen. Um, you know, we'll see, you know, we have the two episodes remaining. Then we have, you know, NBC's got to kind of unfurl all their comedies. They always kind of take a 50,000 foot perspective and weigh everything. Ratings, what night you're on, the key demo, retention from your lead in, uh, cost of the show, all of that. So it's really, you know, up in the air as far as, you know, we never know until we know. Uh, but, you know, we'll be hopefully raring and ready to go for season four if we get the opportunity. Well, Brian, I want to thank you again. Again, Young Rock, uh, new episode this Friday, tomorrow night, and then the uh, season finale next week. Again, available on NBC and Peacock. And I know a lot of people are planning their vacation, so if you're going to be flying anywhere for vacation, the perfect book to be reading is Brian's book, There's Just One Problem, True Tales from the Former One-Time Seventh Most Powerful Person in the WWE. Brian, thank you so much for the time. we got to get you back on again. NFL fans, right now on the SXM app, hear in-depth coverage of your team with the Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. It's all the analysis, all the breakdowns that matter to you, hosted by the players who played for your team and the fans who eat, sleep, and breathe it. 32 diehard fan bases, 32 podcasts. The Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. B-L-E-A-B. Search Believe in, followed by your team on the SXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. There is a lot of good, bad, and ugly, to, to quote you, Bully, when it comes to AEW Dynamite from last night. But one of the things that I really loved from the show last night was the sit-down with JR and Wardlow. And I actually got emotional watching uh, the sit-down between JR and Wardlow last night. And, you know, my father died from cancer, and I think a lot of people share in that story as well. So... Obviously, it's a relatable story, but it's also real. And to hear Wardlow talk about something personal, because we haven't really heard, you know, Wardlow and this whole story with him in AEW talk about anything personal or about talk about his personal life. And then he tied it in with the beard and the long hair. And what a great job bringing Samoa Joe into that story, because with a lot of things with AEW, it's never really clear who I should be rooting for and who I should be hating. And now they gave me a reason to hate Samoa Joe. They gave me a reason to boo Samoa Joe. And again, another reason to cheer for Wardlow. So if that was what they wanted to do last night for me, mission accomplished. Tommy, what was your opinion? I agree. Um, it gave a personal issue. It was, we now understand the why. And JR set it up great. Where you, I'm sure you guys told some personal stories together. Yeah, I wish you didn't. I wish I didn't. And then here comes the backstory, you know. Um, and when I say the why, the action already happened. But now, yes, they made it personal. We were talking about Memphis. How do you draw money? Personal uh, issues. This is a big issue, whether, and I'm assuming it is real, but you can't always like, you know, when we had, uh, when MJF's promo about crashing his car, you don't really know if that was a real story. Um, in the history of wrestling, there have been things that have been done like that to help draw money. Um, Peter Maivia used to come out and play with the ukulele and every, he'd come out, sing a song, play his ukulele, 
everybody loved Peter Maivia. And then I remember it was California superstar Billy Graham broke the ukulele. And Peter Maivia said when he came from the island alone to this, this is the last piece of thing that it was given to him by the high chief where he was from. And he swore vengeance. And they did this angle in probably San Francisco, California, and a few other places. But back then there wasn't, there was no internet and it drew money. Why? Because it was a personal situation. There was a wrestler named Chili Willie. Uh, ECW is everybody's homeboy. And I, he used to come out to the ring with a, with a brown derby. And what I wanted to do with that brown derby is have somebody destroy it. And, but he was going to tell the story when I was serving over in Fallujah, my father died. And the last thing that I had was this hat of him. And I wear it as a remembrance of him. Could only do the angle once because social media was around, but it, I knew it would help get Chili Willy to the next level. Unfortunately, it did not happen, but this is now a personal, real issue tied to wrestling, and it worked because it's going to make you not like Joe, and it's going to make you like Wardlow. Backstory. Dave, you remember te me telling you and the nation about one of the stories I pitched back in the WWE about crushing the rock's throat and taking the the people's voice away from the people yes that stems from the high chief peter maivia superstar billy graham angle because superstar billy graham took away the ukulele and the high chief singing who does he take it away from the people the the rock didn't play the ukulele or you probably can play the ukulele he's a jack off of all trades but the instrument that the rock played every night was his voice and what better way to take you take that all away and then when you finally hear the rock speak again it's that much of a big deal boom i'll put that to the side for a second tommy uh when dave asked you your opinion um on last night's wardlow sit down with jr you you were like, yeah, I, I agree. I like it. But I speak fluent Tommy. You would have done that segment differently, I believe. Um, Tell me how Tommy Dreamer would have done that segment. In front of the live crowd. Okay. Let's just say you weren't in front of the live crowd. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll lead you. I'll, I'll lead the, the horse to water uh, a little bit more. They only remember the finish, right? With the way Wardlow finished his promo, how would you have finished it given the body of the story? Use your own dad, your own dad, who you were very close with. Your dad passed away. You know how you felt about when you, 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 you know how emotional you were when your dad passed away. How would you have finished that sit down? Uh Again, I was okay with it. There's always other ways you can go. Um, we did something similar with this with Justin Credible and the original ECW where he interrupted and I went after him. You know, you you just, I'm going to make sure you feel that pain that I that I felt. You know, I put it on my opponent. I, I did enjoy the thing. And I also like the fact that it was shorter. Um, and, and JR, like JR does, gives everything... Um, credibility he's like walt yeah he's walter cronkite he sits yeah. down he, he when when you have a sit down you know something is gonna be uh this is gonna resonate 
and he he does. He knows how to lead an interview and help follow an interview go along. And I also thought Wardlow did a very, very good job of speaking. Fair enough. I think I agree with you guys that I thought Wardlow did a great job up until the finish. Now, it's not about how he executed the finish. It's about the direction that they went in, because the minute Wardlow changed gears and went into angry pro wrestler mode, I legitimately sat up on my couch and went, no, no, no. It was too pro wrestler for me. I wanted to feel and see quiet fury. Tommy Dreamer would have cried. Now, Wardlow is not Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer would have had tears in his eyes and a quiet fury raging where you would have sat back and went, oh, my God. Tommy's going to kill freaking Samoa Joe. But you wouldn't have had the typical, and now I'm so mad that I'm going to beat up Joe. I'm used to seeing that. Wardlow brought me in emotionally for the very first time. I wanted to just see that next level of emotion. And what I got was, to me, typical pro wrestling promo. And it almost lost me. Zero to 100 is what you're saying, right? It, 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 it just, it was a disconnect because I'm getting a different Wardlow and I'm getting this story about the hair, which I, I was saying to myself, wow, I think I would have liked to have heard this story beforehand. And then I was like, no, it's so much better finding it out now afterwards. I love it because now I'm, now I'm sitting here and I'm like so interested in Wardlow's story. I'm so interested in his dad. And as it's going on and I see them show the clip of the cut hair, I'm like, Joe, you're a dick. Well, I how mean, did, how, what? I, no, what? no, no, you're, no, you're hundred percent right. But this brings the other issue, the other problem. And it's the biggest problem I think that we've had with Wardlow is that we haven't seen a lot of Wardlow, right? I mean, I, we would all agree that a little over a year ago, there was nobody hotter in AEW than Wardlow. We should, we should probably have had this sit down long before Samoa Joe even cut, uh, cut Wardlow's, uh, ponytail. It would have been great to have a sit down with Wardlow. I this is just my opinion. You guys, this sit down in. with Wardlow would not have matched Wardlow's character a year ago. The Goldberg esque Wardlow okay. and the Wardlow that we saw last night are two completely different people. So it would not have fit, in my I, opinion. I would have, I would have loved to have seen this sit down with Wardlow before Samoa Joe did what he did to him. Cause you guys were just talking about superstar Billy Graham and, and the high chief Peter Maivia, you know, where superstar Billy Graham, you know, smashed that ukulele because you were used to, you understood, you knew the story of that ukulele and how much that meant to him. I didn't know how much that ponytail meant to Wardlow. I didn't know that until, until last night. So when Samoa Joe cut it, I thought it was like, wow, just a little bit of a disrespectful thing. What a dick. But if I would have known that story beforehand and Samoa Joe did what he did to Wardlow, holy shit, Wardlow. I mean, Samoa Joe would be the most hated man in AEW. It would be, I understand where you're coming from because we didn't hear from Wardlow. for so. If he said, 
I took some time away. Um, Ovechkin on the Capitals is taking time away from playing because of, and they said a family issue and that was it. And then, you know, it's not, and then they talk about the guy missed two games this season and he's missed 40 some odd games in his entire career. And I mean, he's, he's a top guy in, in the NHL. And everyone's like, Ooh, I wonder what's going on. But when you say a personal issue or a family to deal with a family matter, if you would have had that bef- before the haircut, a hundred percent, Hey man, just want to give an update where I've been to sit down with Jr. Um, and this is why, you know, it, cause we don't know when his father passed away. It could be, uh, uh, forever ago. And that's when we use reality and uh, alter it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could see your point, but then for dealing for what they have, I also didn't mind where it happened after you would have, it would have been way, way. I don't, it would have made Joe look like a bigger asshole if he did it once all that happened on the return. 1000%. But both ways we're still going to get because now we're obviously we're going to get them wrestling each other and probably at the pay-per-view. And it gives them a bigger reason for happening. And, and again, like I said, a much personal issue. Typical pro wrestling 101 would dictate that we would want to know beforehand how much the hair meant to Wardlow. Thus, the moment when Joe cut the hair would have been that much bigger. I actually enjoyed the fact that they did not go the typical route because I found myself so much more intrigued. Like instead of instead of being, oh, Joe, you asshole, you cut his hair. I was like, oh, that's why Wardlow is in the place he is mentally right now. It was like a big reveal. And I found myself feeling I felt myself feeling bad for Wardlow. They got sympathy on him last night in my eyes, which is very difficult to do for a man his size who just beats the shit out of everybody. And then right after the sympathy wave came the hate wave of, Joe, you're an asshole. So I like the fact that they told it in reverse. What I I, didn't like, go ahead. I did too. And if I could go back to that, that's very same angle ECW, when somebody passed away, we'd all walk out there before the show and we'd all have like our heads down and then, but everybody would kind of know who passed away when we did it, everyone walked and everyone's like, or when we used to all go to the ring, we would make an announcement to the crowd. Hey, we're going to be on pay-per-view. Hey, we're not going to be on pay-per-view. I had no, I did that alone, but it was either Paul, myself, um, and this one time we all go to the ring and Sandman grabs a microphone and Sandman and everyone's looking around like, wait, who died? Oh my God, somebody just died. And then Sandman tells the story of some of very, very close. We're all a family, blah, blah, blah. Tommy dreamers, grandfather passed away and everyone. And he's just like, you know, hell for, you know, uh, tribute 10 bell salute. And then, so we all have our heads down. We set up this entire thing to get heat for Justin and he interrupted it. So the, nobody knew what were, why this happened. And then it worked and it worked after the fact, like in your head, Oh shit. Why did this happen? Oh, wow. Now I get it. So uh, I agree with bully on that too. I didn't, I, I can see your point, Dave, but I also me personally, 
I liked it because it was a little different. Well, I Dave, love the city. Uh, Go ahead, Dave. I almost wish that, <clears throat> like, if I was producing Wardlow last night, I would have almost liked to have seen the change come over him in his face and him look right in the camera and say, Samoa Joe. And then not say a word as if he couldn't even get the words out of his mouth because he was so welled up with emotion and then just walk off. If you're going to go in that direction with Wardlow, a sympathetic Wardlow, a story like that, something to draw you in, end it on the same emotion. Don't end it with typical pro wrestling. Now I'm going to get you. I, I, Bully, I agree with you. And it was a little jarring because you went from that zero to 100. And again, you know, what has always been my biggest complaint, Bully, about AEW is that it's super fast paced. You don't get a lot of time to really digest the things that have just happened because they're on to the next segment and there's so much being thrown at you. And it's really a quick pace. And I think we probably all agree that that was another example with that show last night. I almost feel like they tried to get a lot into a very small segment. Like, let that breathe. Maybe, you know, there's another point or another time where Wardlow could get angry. There's another time where maybe, Tommy, to your point, where it's in front of a live audience. Maybe that's when you get that angry Wardlow. But I do agree with Bully that last night should have just been the emotion of of his dad and him getting choked up because I got choked up watching that segment last night. And I think you guys definitely sold me on the timing of last night as well because I do agree a year ago with the way that they build up Wardlow, it wouldn't have worked. It would have been a disconnect. Last night was the perfect time to do that sit down. And and I would love to be a fly on the wall to have witnessed that process. Who came up with that promo? Who produced that promo? Who was the one that told Wardlow, okay, go from zero to a hundred? Or did Wardlow decide to go from zero to a hundred? Where Who was the checks and balances? Was this all Tony or was there, was there a producer involved? That That's the part that intrigues me. I would love to know who told Wardlow, go from zero to 100, and then ask them, okay, cool, why? What's your thought process behind this? Why do you think this works? That's the, that's the little things of the in-between of pro wrestling that we don't get to see and talk about every day that intrigues me the worst, but it intrigues me the most, the why. Why did Wardlow do it this way? Hi, everybody. Christopher Mad Dog Russo here. Familiar? You should be. Well, now you can catch Mad Dog's Daily Bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports, NFL, baseball, golf, NBA, even the hockey. That you know you can count on. That's Mad Dog's Daily Bite. Drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 Eastern on Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM Channel 82, or anytime on the SXM app. So as everybody knows, every year we do a WrestleMania party. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, last year, we had 1,200 fans show up 
to our WrestleMania party last year. And it was by far the biggest WrestleMania party that we've ever put together in the 13 years that Busted Open has been on the air. When we have our WrestleMania party this year, we'll be closing in on 14 years, which is pretty crazy because we're going to have to now do a big 15-year anniversary show next year, but we won't talk about that right now. Because in Philadelphia. What we, yes, in Philadelphia. This year, though, we're going to do something. It's not so much bigger, but I think much more special than any other WrestleMania party that we've ever had before. Because the Busted Open WrestleMania 39 party will be at the iconic Whiskey on the Sunset Strip in L.A. on Saturday, April 1st. So start making your plans now. Saturday, April 1st, Busted Open will be live at the Whiskey on Sunset. That is some big news. One of Bully Ray's favorite uh, holes, stomping grounds. Very, very iconic venue. Wow. And Dave, if you're going to refer to it, please refer to it by its proper name. Whiskey a go-go. The Whiskey a go-go. <laughs> well. Nice. That's big. It's, 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 it's not just big. I think for us and for the nation, this is huge. Because this is going to be the first time that we are going to be doing a party at a place that is iconic, like the Whiskey A Go-Go on Sunset. Like, this is next level uh, for us. And I feel that, you know, with CBGBs being gone and a lot of the big rock clubs, you know, from the 70s, late 60s, 70s, and early 80s are gone, one that still stands is the Whiskey. So this is this is very, very big for us. And we are going to theme it out that I feel like the nation is going to be really happy with what we do. Again, it's going to be Saturday, April 1st. More details to come. We're still ironing out a time because we want to make sure that we have it not too early, but not too late where people are going to have trouble getting out to SoFi for WrestleMania. We're going to time it out perfectly so... Yeah, everybody's going to be able to party with the with us, and then we'll all head out together to WrestleMania uh, 39. So I'm very, very excited for this year's WrestleMania party. And here's what I hope happens. I hope this year so many people show up to our WrestleMania party at the Whiskey A Go-Go that they have to shut down the Sunset Strip. So many people show up to the busted open party. So many people flooding the streets. So many of all the chapters of the busted open nation converging down on the whiskey that they got a shut down sunset because there's so many people. So you want the sunset to kind of look like Bourbon Street at Mardi Gras. Go ahead, Tommy. I said it's an awesome thing to happen. I've experienced it. Uh, I know Bully's experienced it. Um, me and Rob Van Dam, they had us shut down a New York City street when we did our first ever signing for the ECW game. It's just a sea of humanity. I love it. We could then Everybody, go to the top of the building and do it like that YouTube video. Th- this should be awesome because as, as far as uh, an iconic venue is concerned, the whiskey is, is kind of like one of the be-all, end-it-alls, great rock and roll club. All I want is this. 
I want our names on the marquee. Sirius XM presents Busted Open WrestleMania Party. Dave LaGreca, Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, Mark Henry. I actually, I want my name on there first, but we can discuss well, that. No, that will never happen. Come contract time. That will never happen because alphabetically, I, I, he created is the, I created the show. You know what? Maybe you know what? But what Bully? if it meant a lot to me? If I asked you, as you know a what? That's what favor. I was just gonna say. You know what? Maybe because I know how much this means to you. To have, think about what I've done for you, kid. Think need, about what I've done for you. Wait, think about what, what I've done for you, what? kid. Think about. Okay. Think about. I need think top about, billing. Think Much about. Much like Cody Rhodes, I need my face to be the biggest one on the poster. Well, and you know, and, and, and bully. This isn't bully. This isn't just for you. This is for uh, for Tommy, for you as well. Uh, think about what I've done for you guys. You know, the billboard in Times Square. Think about that, mm. but Tommy. Your your face and name. On you know in Times Square on Broad, fuck that on Broadway, on Broadway, yeah. buddy. Mm. And now, bully yeah. you, your name on the marquee at the whiskey on the sunset. I mean, these are things you dream about when you're Dave. Kid. I've had my own billboard. What's that? What's that? Forget in, that. In Times life Square started, life on started Broadway. Like, Long Life before I was ever on the busted open one, and as far as, as a and as far as a name on a marquee is concerned, yes, it'll be really cool for me personally to have Bully Ray's name on the marquee at the whiskey, but it's already been on the marquee at Madison Square Garden. Well, here's the thing. All right, first of all, when you had the billboard in Times Square, that was Bubba Ray Dudley. Okay, that was Bubba Ray. That I was able to get Bully Ray. On Broadway in Times Square. <laughs> Thank you for getting us all over, Dave. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.